welcome to episode 73 of VB Engage. My name is Stuart Rogers and I'm with VentureBeat and I am joined as ever by the incredible, the wonderful, the author of Digital Sense, co-founder of CCP Digital. It is Mr. Travis Wright. Mr. Rogers, it is a beautiful day in my neighborhood. I hope it is a beautiful day in your neighborhood as well. Uh, thank you for that kind of introduction. You did forget dashingly handsome and super brilliant or something. I'm, and humble. You forgot humble. I'm the most humble person. We've got a great show for us today, don't we? You're just trying to like cut in there and come in with the great show so that I don't have a comeback on everything that you've just said. <laughs> It's not going to work. You were giving it your best shot. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> Some of those things you said are true. Many of them are not. So, Travis, we do have an amazing show. We have Shaw Lemaire later on as our incredible guest. I'm really looking forward to that. That was a great interview. Look, I want to get straight into one piece of news because we, last week, spoke about how useful Snapchat was becoming again because of that great new more feature where you can slide up when somebody is attached you know, a place to a snap. It's becoming really useful again. And then Snapchat have now completely ruined any thought of usefulness because they're now apparently selling, and, and this is a true thing, they're selling a hot dog outfit on Amazon that you can wear for Halloween. Wow. It is made up of 100% beef, but never <laughs> starts it, is what it says. Snap first and begin selling the product yesterday. So it's one of those Bitmojis, right? Those That hot dog is all over those those Bitmojis uh, within Snapchat. And that's one of my favorite features within that. It's, I love that if you connect with someone uh, and they're using a Bitmoji, then you get these little dual combo Bitmojis that are all cute and hilarious. My only problem is I can't access them outside of Snapchat, which would be I would totally use them all over the place. They should brand them with Snap and you should be able to share them. But you're not, but you do have the Bitmoji app, but it doesn't add any of the combo ones. But they've also done a, a, a ghost. They've had the ghost stuffed animal before, ghost backpacks. So they've sold some branded things. But this hot dog is, um, it's, it's 80 bucks if you want this hot dog. It's not like traditional Bitmojis. The hot dog is just purely a hot dog. It doesn't put your face on the hot dog or anything. It has become the unofficial mascot of snapchat it has also become the unofficial whipping boy of snapchat because everybody makes jokes about the hot dog you know the hot dog is the thing that people call to when they're saying hey let's uh, rescue the share price what's the best idea we've got it's a hot dog you know it's that's a the kind of thing. hot dog not just a it's hot not dog. just it's not just any hot dog and now you you too for 80 bucks can go and look like the hot dog and you can dance like the hot dog um it's ridiculous let's move on to some real news because snapchat have disappointed me with the hot dog i've got to say uh, although i do find it mildly hilarious <laughs> <laughs> samsung have had their developer conference uh we don't often talk about samsung's developer conference you know because facebook's developer conference and google's developer conference you know they all always take the limelight but samsung have had theirs this is hot off the press and I uh, believe that they've unveiled a second version of their AI assistant that nobody really ever talks about. Bixby 2.0 is here, but it has a very special integration, doesn't it, Travis? If you recall, uh, last year, I believe, they acquired Viv, uh, Samsung did, for a little over $200 million last year. Before that, the, the creators of Viv also, they were the creators of Siri. And so right. now they're mashing these up with Bixby to be able to do all kinds of new things, right? Exactly. Um, you know, Viv was the hot AI startup and everyone was 
really trying to figure out what they had because it looked like they were going to be really special. They were obviously special enough for Samsung to throw $250 million at them. And, you know, we've seen previous demonstrations of Viv. Viv has got some really good capabilities. You know, one of the examples that uh, Carrie Johnson pulls out in his article about this, which of course we'll put in the show notes for you, it can deal with complex questions and complex uh, interactions. Like, uh, for example, if you say, send Adam 20 bucks for the drink last night, or give me a nice room in Palm Springs for Labor Day weekend. Bixby understands what that really means. That's really amazing natural language processing, but also natural language understanding. And it's the kind of thing that could actually give one of the more advanced AIs, which is Google Assistant, a run for its money. And that's being baked into Bixby 2. So Bixby 2 is going to become much more useful because in the past, all it could really do was like open your camera and take a selfie, right? Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff going on over there with Samsung. There's quite a battle these days for the top three, you know, mobile companies, right? You have Apple and Samsung and Huawei. Also in the news, real quick, Huawei is um, creating an AI phone. They think that it's going to challenge Apple and Samsung. So the Huawei Mate 10 is uh, a phone, and they are using some really interesting artificial intelligence to uh, to optimize the performance of the phone. I'm not quite sure what all it can do yet, but I'm actually going to a Huawei event in Berlin. I'll learn more about that. And if it looks as cool as it sounds like, I will give you guys a report back. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that. I saw that too. And I, I also saw the teaser because Huawei actually put out a little thing straight after the Apple announcement of the uh, um, iPhone X. They put out a teaser that said, a real AI phone is coming. And they just like teased that. But they didn't really say, obviously, back then, what that really means. They've given a few details, but we don't really know. So I'm, I'm looking forward to you getting proper hands on with that. Also, the other thing that kind of caught my eye was, you know, we've, we've talked about 360 degree cameras in the past. And my big beef with Samsung's 360 degree cameras is that I would buy one, but I don't have a Samsung phone. And as far as I can tell, they're locked to Samsung phones. But They've actually brought out this professional camera called a Samsung Round 360. It's much more like the kind of camera that you would take to professionally record 360-degree video in 4K. It's got uh, lots of cameras. It's got amazing stitching software. And according to Dean Takahashi, it looks pretty impressive on a 4K monitor. Um, He wasn't so impressed with what it looked like inside a Samsung Gear VR on a Samsung S8. He said it was a little bit blurry, but... That's probably a limitation of the phone, not the recording. Um, So, you know, very, very interesting. No price on that yet. But, you know, if you're interested in producing 360 degree content for your business, there are just more and more and more of these 360 degree options coming out. Some of them more consumer based, some of them more professional, like this new camera from Samsung. And it's going to pick up pace. We're, We're really getting to the point now where 360 degree video is picking up pace for businesses. Um, So I found that kind of interesting. You know, just by looking at the device, I don't know if you remember that one movie, uh, Short Circuit, but it kind of looks like the head of Johnny Five. That's that's the vibe that I get from (laughs) from that 360. Depending on which angle that you're looking at it on, it sort of looks like uh, the Short Circuit guy. But uh, that's huge. I mean, it's so cool to be able to take out that camera or any type of 360 camera and be able to do live streaming video on Facebook or any of these other platforms. I mean, that's fascinating. And for it to be 4K in 360, my goodness, what is CES going to have for us this year? I wonder, man, I was blown away last year. There's all kinds of crazy stuff coming out. Crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, with that kind of quality, you won't even need to be at CES. You'll just be able to watch it and pretend that you're there on everybody else's <laughs> 60 degree cameras. Yeah, just just tune in to, to uh, Robert Scoble and just, you know, just follow him around. <laughs> I hate it when this happens. I'm too humble, way too British. But I wrote a story about a, uh, a study uh, that showed that mobile marketers are missing holiday season opportunities. And, you know, because I'm way too humble, maybe you should talk about it, Travis. You are. Well, that's one thing I think about is uh, when I think of Stuart Rogers, it's like he is just so unbelievably humble. I'm just grateful to know you. That's a beautiful thing, man. I, I, I'm too humble to respond. Yeah. So they said that over half of the consumers are only interested in, in holiday themes after Thanksgiving. However, 68% of marketers start their awareness way before that, sometimes as early as August or September. And uh, so in a lot of times, there's just misalignment, the planning and when they're pushing out these digital uh, holiday campaigns. You're doing this stuff and, we, you know, you, we, we got to get ROI. We got to make sure that we're, we're driving results. But a lot of times you got to factor in the, the user experience and the customer experience of it all. If they, are, if they don't want to see Christmas holiday ads in, in, in August, then you really shouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly right. And there was another big mismatch in that report that I found incredibly interesting. Um, this was a study done by UAPI. They studied consumers and marketers. And uh, the, the thing that really sort of hit me, and this was probably the most surprising result in the study, is that we know that rewarded video is probably one of the most lucrative ad formats of recent years. I mean, I've written about it several times this year. And, you know, we're talking about something that you know, really does move the needle in, in terms of revenue. For example, there was a TapJoy report and it showed that app users who engage with rewarded ads are actually four and a half times more likely to spend money. So we know they're amazing. The problem is, is that survey shows that only 20% of marketers plan to take advantage of that particular channel in their 2017 holiday campaigns. They're, they're on mobile, they're not using rewarded video and aren't planning to. And yet, that's the one thing that I see that could move the needle, Travis. Yeah. Now, you and I have had some conversations offline about different marketing campaigns that maybe I'm working on. I'm coming to you for advice and chatting with you about that. And you've said time and time again, rewarded, uh, rewarded video campaigns are something that you've seen that are work amazingly. The statistics all show that they think those are freaking amazing. They work well. Consumers agree 15 seconds or less is perfect for a video. If as long as they're getting rewarded with something, you're adding value to them. And so that's a great way to use some of your marketing dollars, especially if you're trying to get people's attention on mobile. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just something that I think everybody needs to really take notice of now and, and think, how could you possibly work rewarded video into your campaigns? It's not just for games where you go in and you watch the rewarded video and you get some coins or you get something else that's a, an in-game activation. You can use rewarded video in lots of different ways. And it's just like it's really, really important for marketers to get their head around how they can actually do this. Because right now, rewarded videos is moving the needle massively. Let's just talk about our uh, wonderful sponsor for a moment. For more than 100 years, uh, Booz Allen has been at the forefront of strategy and technology with leading data science and machine intelligence experts game developers, and human-centered designers developing innovative solutions to empower its clients to change the world. It's enabling the armed forces to rise to a whole new level of mission readiness through developing experiential, immersive technologies 
that will help our warfighters train faster, better, and at scale. Booz Allen is at the intersection of technology and ingenuity, helping clients unlock the power of new technologies, create new roadmaps, and develop better solutions that didn't exist before. Join Booz Allen on its mission to change the world with immersive technologies. Get immersed with Booz Allen at www.boozallen.com forward slash immersive and on Twitter with at Booz Data Science. That's B-O-O-Z Data Science using the hashtag BeAnywhere. We should get into our wonderful interview with Sean Lomair. I really loved this interview. Did you enjoy it? Uh, he is the CEO of PlayBuzz, and he was really talking about how interactive content uh, is so engaging. And so, uh, you know, one of the elements of our show is talking about how to engage your audience, and it fits right in our sweet spot. Content, marketing, engagement, what better could we ask for than this? I know. Should we get into it? Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today our guest is the one and only co-founder and CEO at PlayBuzz. You've probably seen PlayBuzz. You've probably seen one of their quizzes online. We were going to do an interview with him, but instead we decided to make a quiz. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Shaul Olmert. Hey, thanks. Great to have you. <laughs> what mythical animal are you today? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm a unique organism. I don't think that there's any, uh, you know, any breed of animal that will, uh, you know, define me. So, you know, I go by, uh, I go by Shaul Olmert as the brand. Very nice. Fantastic. Um, I was going to ask which house you are in Harry Potter. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show, Shaul. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. What's really interesting about what I've been looking at over the last, I don't know, maybe three, four years of, of analyzing you know, marketing technology and content marketing and you know, all the things that we do to just try and get people's attention these days. And there's a lot of really highbrow stuff that marketers would like to be using, but they can't use it because when it comes down to it, the bottom line is what matters for marketers. They're being put under a huge amount of pressure by you know, CEO, CFO, to come up with the bottom line. And of course, you know, for publishers, that bottom line is is traffic, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's how do we get more eyes on our content? I think people tend to ignore some of the mainstream content ideas because they're trying to think of something really interesting and unique and different to do with content. But actually, you know, it's the stuff that just works that uh, really they should be focusing on. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about why the sort of content that the PlayBuzz produces is so effective and so engaging and why it works for you know the mainstream consumer so well. So uh, we started a company about six years ago. We went on uh, an expedition to try and create uh, engagement, to try to get people to actually read, actually consume content. We saw a big gap between the fact that all of us are kind of you know glued to our little devices 24-7, constantly looking at our mobile phone, and uh, looking for information, looking for entertainment, looking to be engaged. And the fact that when we actually get to a content article, on average, people spend less than 15 seconds on that content page. So, you know, people really uh, find it very hard to concentrate and to focus when they're holding an interactive device that's constantly uh, has uh, um, stimulation and interruptions by push notifications and messages and everything else. And we feel that since people have evolved and the way they consume media has evolved, the content itself needs to evolve as well. It needs to adapt to these new settings. So um, we started researching how do people engage with information? 
And we realized that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm summarizing, I'm dumbing down a lot of research here, but basically, in order to get people's attention, whether you're an, uh, an author or a publisher or a marketeer, you want people to listen to you, you got to engage them by creating content that's more snackable, that's more visual, that's more interactive, that doesn't assume you are a passive consumer that, that's being lectured to, but rather an active participant in the content consumption experience. And that's what Playbus does. We created an authoring platform that enables uh, premium publishers all over the world, the likes of uh, ESPN, uh, um, MTV, uh, Huffington Post in the US, and uh, likewise Sky, BBC, and Telegraph, and others in the UK, and really all over the world, to create content that is unique, that is differentiated, and that is formatted in a way that people can actually consume and engage with. I guess the next most important question would be is, which female stand-up comedian is your spirit animal? <laughs> I'm not an expert on the, the subject matter, but, uh, you know, coming to um, talk about quizzes, you know, sometimes when people uh, call us a quiz company or talk about our quizzes, I say that uh, calling Playboys a quiz company is like calling the Beatles the Love Me Do band, right? I mean, quizzes was our first hit, but uh, ever since we launched that, and that made us famous for sure, uh, we launched a variety of stuff that is way more uh, complex and way more sophisticated. And uh, I dare to say really left an impact of the world. So today, when all those publishers I mentioned are using Playbuzz, they use us to create not only quizzes, but to create a very uh, wide variety of uh, stories using different tools and different techniques. And our goal is not to impose one kind of storytelling mechanism, but really to enable everyone to tell whatever story they want to tell in a way that's uh, right for them, and always apply the uh, mechanism of uh, doing it in a way that's very data-driven, that after you write, you can actually see how people respond, how people engage with your content. If somebody stopped reading your article in the middle, at which point did they drop off? You know, maybe that will teach you about uh, where exactly are you losing them, and you can go back and optimize the content accordingly. So, you know, we really try to create this language of engagement, and um, provide a tool set to, uh, to content creators and marketeers to use it in a way that will optimize engagement. Oh, that's great. So Margaret Cho, was that your answer? <laughs> no, I, I, do, I do have a serious question here because I think it's interesting because you have these different offerings. You have offerings for advertisers and publishers and then also creators. So anybody can come to Play Buzz and create content. Is that true? And then if so, how do you elevate and determine which ones make it to those premium spots? The publishers and advertisers, are they getting more visibility or can anybody go in, create a compelling piece of content and get some viral action? As a platform, we enable everyone to uh, create whatever content they want and distribute it in any way that they choose to. So for instance, VentureBeat, you know, if you went on uh, VentureBeat today and decided to write an article about uh, drop down in uh, SNAP's uh, stock price. Statistically speaking, 80% of the people who will um, uh, click on this article are not gonna make it past the second paragraph. But if you feel like you have an important story to tell and you want people to actually listen to what you got to say, we give you a set of tools that will enable you to make this article more unique, more interesting. And statistically, the uh, adoption by users, the engagement by users will be much higher. So our goal is not to curate content and not to tell you what content to create or not to create content for you, but to make sure that if you have something interesting to say, we'll give you the right tools to say. Same goes, by the way, for podcasts, for instance. I mean, you know, you guys are investing a lot in creating a podcast, and um, 
then I think that you're doing it under the assumption that you want people to actually listen to it, to actually pay attention, to actually learn something, to actually, you know, engage them. We want to give everyone, uh, we currently support text articles more and video, uh, not podcasts, but the goal is really that in whichever way you want to tell a story, we'll give you the tools to do it in a way that will enable you to optimize the, the user adoption. I think you make a wild assumption there. I mean, Travis and I just actually like each other's voices. We don't actually want anybody to hear this. You know, that's, that's a, a that's refreshing a, exception then. Yeah, incredible assumption. We, we actually just play these back to ourselves. Nobody else listens to them. Yeah, sometimes um, we have so, phone calls just, uh, you know, when we're not recording them just to kind of have, you know, VB engage extras amongst ourselves that are very rare that nobody ever hears. No, makes yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, to bring up a point you brought up earlier, data is obviously very important when it comes to working out what content is going to work, what content doesn't work, where people drop off, uh, where people, are, you know, most of the viewers are. Have you seen any trends in terms of rules of thumb, any trends in particular in looking at all of these metrics where you can say for sure that, you know, videos should be or quizzes should be or, you know, content should be of a certain length, people drop off at a certain point, you know, where, where do people have to sort of really focus their efforts and energies? You know, a retention spans getting shorter, for example? Totally. I think that uh, it's interesting to see that even though we work with publishers all over the world and in many verticals, and each of them can be somewhat different, there are some universal rules of engagement that, uh, that we can define and share with the market. And uh, what we're seeing, the most important thing is create a narrative that's constantly interrupted. People lose focus when they're asked to perform the same action time and again. If you gave them a long series of questions to answer, they'll get tired after a while. If you gave them uh, a bunch of long paragraphs of text one after the other, they'll get tired. If you let them flip through a gallery of images, they'll get tired after a while. So it's really about diversifying the experience and breaking down your article into separate particles, into separate experiences that each of them is different, each of them is um, stimulating the user from a different point of view, then they don't lose attention. So as long as you give them something new to play with, a different angle to interact with the content, uh, you'll keep them around for longer. Playing around with the site, I mean, you know, this is something that I've not actually personally done. The only experience that I had had in PlayBuzz is on Facebook and seeing those quizzes that had come through. Are you able to take these widgets or these these different formats that you have on PlayBuzz and then create a widget to then put on your own WordPress site or to use that to create better content on your own platform? Or is this stuff that's only available on the PlayBuzz platform and you have to create content there to uh, utilize those tools? So uh, it's the former. Playbus is a CMS extension. We are not a full-blown CMS. We are giving you the tools to create content and then uh, in a click of a button, embed it on your own website or on your own web, on your own app. So serve it to your users on whatever outlet you communicate uh, uh, with your users through. And, uh, you know, really what's most interesting in uh, the way it's adapted is that we find that storytellers are storytellers. You know, what are you trying to... um, break a piece of news or to reflect on current events or to sell a product, the common denominator is that, you know, you got to have people actually listening. And we know that people are blocking ads and we know that people are flipping through their social feeds as a content discovery mechanism, but don't really read the items. Our goal is not to, uh, as I said, not to uh, force you to create content in a certain way, but to make sure that you have all the tools in order to make your content interesting. 
I'm over here playing with it now. It's like I had a couple ideas. I'm like, oh, so create a ranked list. People can go in and vote on certain things. I can pull in images. It looks pretty fascinating. What are some of the, the types of content that you find, aside from quizzes, that are user-created that are the most successful? We'll go by examples. For instance, uh, Huffington Post wrote a really great uh, editorial article about topical fake news. And rather than write a 4,000 words article, which statistically nobody's going to read, they use playbuzz in order to tell the story as if it was a chat dialogue between President Trump and the House GOP. So when people are looking, when people are staring at a screen that doesn't have long paragraphs of text, but it, instead it has kind of a messenger-like chat, which is kind of the screens that they're used to see all day long, because that's where they spend their time, it makes it so much more readable and so much more consumable. Uh, likewise, you know, uh, Fandango, which is another uh, U.S. publisher that's using Playbus frequently, uh, recently created a how-to guide on how to create slime, which is, you know, a very, an equally important topic. And in it, they use our automated video tool in order to create, uh, in order to set up also videos that are walking you through the stages of how you, you know, you take uh, glue and baking soda and whatnot and and uh, uh, mix them all together into slimes. So, you know, I really like the fact that we provide a lot of different types of experiences. You can create text, you can create interactive images, you can create quizzes, videos, whatever it is. And each publisher, each storyteller can choose what tools will really serve them in order to get their message across. Same goes for uh, advertisers. You know, I mean, uh, in the US, we're just, uh, you know, we're launching this week uh, a great commercial campaign with uh, New York Lottery letting people kind of mimic the experience of playing a, a lottery online, uh, which just makes it so much more, makes the concept of the product they're trying to sell so much more visible and so much more concrete than just talking about it or showing you some uh, stock photography. Right. So what you're yeah. saying is people are lazy. They need to be entertained <laughs> with cool little block widgets. Because that's so true. I mean, you mentioned like most people aren't going to sit down and read 3,000, 4,000 words. I mean, our attention spans are less now. I mean, I do. I, I read all. I consume massive amounts of, of content. So it's fascinating that you are actually helping content creators create a more engaging experience with their content by sort of breaking it up and, and making it more fun. That's the goal. I would say that people are not lazy. In fact, uh, you two are lazy. Content creators are sometimes lazy by uh, doing what they do best because that's easy for them. The easiest thing for you, you know, you're a verbal and, and well-articulated person, the easiest thing for you is either to uh, speak for half an hour or write a long-form article because you know how to express yourself. You speak with a word processor, you know, that's kind of being lazy because that doesn't that assumes that everybody else will adapt to what's easy for you. And we're saying, you know, don't do what's easy for you, do what's easy for your audience. So, you know, take the extra effort of making your article visual, make it interactive, Make it snackable. Use a variety of different experiences together and learn how to, it's, it's almost like the transition from uh, Microsoft Word documents into PowerPoint presentation. Uh, it's easier to write in Word. Everybody knows that. But when you really want to make an impact on someone, when you really want to sell your idea, when you want to get people engaged, involved, you know, you take the extra step of articulating something in a presentation format, in a walkthrough pacing the experience, thinking about how do I break the information down to small bites that are more digestible. So, uh, you know, we want to give you the tools to do the same thing when you engage with your audience. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, by the way, for uh, identifying and pointing out the fact that Travis is, in fact, very, very lazy. Stood out. I'm asleep yeah, like right now. I was hardly paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I, I appreciate that. I, I think uh, I think you're a fine judge of character, Sean. Uh, thank you very much. Um, um, that is a, a fantastic way to uh, to end today's episode. I mean, we'd love to talk to you for hours, but unfortunately, we can't. Uh, we always have a time limit here on uh, BB Engage, and of course, we're incredibly lazy people, so we do have to end it uh, sooner but rather than <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah, fifteen minutes. Uh, that's about our that's about our max attention span. That's, that's about all we can do. Yeah, I gotta I'm go lay down go on the couch now and have a good one hour nap uh, just to make up for this fifteen minutes. <laughs> of work. Sure, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on VB Engage today. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. Right and where can people connect with you on the interwebs? I'm on Twitter as uh, Shaul Merit, and uh, obviously, you know, Shaul at Playbus.com would work well, as well as any other social network. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Very interesting. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much to Shaul Omer of Playbuzz for joining us today. That was great. If you have not used Playbuzz, it's free. If you got a blog, if you have your own site where you want to add some cool interactive content widgets, go check it out. I did it. I actually put one on badcryptopodcast.com. I actually put a, one of like, what are your favorite cryptocurrencies? And it's received tons and tons of engagement. I think it's received over like a thousand votes, which was pretty crazy. If you missed last week's episode, we had a great episode with us. We had Amit Walia, who is the chief product officer at Informatica, and we talked about uh, their AI initiatives with Claire, and uh, that was fascinating. So if you had a chance to check that one out, do so. Next week is also a great interview. We have with us the CEO of the Vivaldi Group, Eric Jakumstaller, and uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff from branding to engagement to building audiences, and that's a great interview as well. And once again, we want to give a big shout out and thanks to Booz Allen. Uh, you want to go ahead and check them out at www.boozallen.com forward slash immersive for all the great things. You want to go check that out. Uh, episode 73 is in the bag for Travis Wright. Goodbye. And uh, for Stuart Rogers, it's Despedida. All right, we'll see you guys next week.